Right, we're back, people. It's Big Lloyd here for another episode of Temper and Flow Music Industry Talks. And I'm excited for the guest we got today, man. She's amazing. She's put in a lot of years being an executive producer, um, just killing it at what she does. So, yeah, I'm excited to have her on today, man. It's going to be exciting. Right, I can see Delissa's hair. Let's get her in. Let's get her going. How's everyone actually? Uh, Hi. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Have you got AirPods in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess it makes it a little bit delayed, though. It seems to be okay. We'll just work with it. <laughs> All right, wicked. So thank you very much for doing this. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, I guess we should just jump straight into it, man. How did you get started in your career? How did you get into music? Um, do you know what? I've always been a lover of music. Ever since I was a, you know, a child, my mum was always playing music. Um, and then it just became, it became a bit of an obsession. Because I remember being 10, listening to the charts every Sunday. My routine was revolved around music. And back in those days, you know, as a young girl, you didn't have a lot of money to go and buy music. So I'd be recording stuff off the radio. So I listened to the charts. So you had the Radio 1 chart, and then you had like a Kiss one that was more, um, but I used to listen to the Radio 1 one because they played the music to the end. So I could actually just stop the cassette. So I've always been a lover of music. Now I look back on it, I was I was obsessed. I was obsessed with the, you know, the pop stars. And I used to listen to all the different radio stations when you knew which station they were going to be on. Mm. So now just thinking about it, it was, an, it was an obsession. It was what I did and I loved it. And it just came from uh, being part of a family who also loved music and obsessed. And my uncles all had their their sound systems and my mum comes from music. She's she was the queen of dub. She used to play a lot of dub music, reggae. I come from a Rasta family. So it was just all part of me. I think it's just it's in me. If if I want yeah. it or not, it's in me. That's amazing. So um it was it was always gonna happen, I think. I don't think I was in control of anything. And I guess when did you then like so talk me through it, because obviously you're growing up you're loving music mm -hmm. it's when do you when do you get to the bbc or even before the bbc when do you realize that's what you want to do um i think what i did is i tried to um take my love of music and everything that i enjoyed i just wanted to like i always say to people do what you love so i always wanted to do what i was obsessed with um and actually i think from my t when I was going through kind of secondary high school, um, I wanted to make music videos. That's what I came out of my um, going into college, wanting to be the next Hype Williams. Yeah. I, was, I was, you know, that obsession, because at that point it was like R&B music, hip hop, Biggie, Tupac, all of that stuff was happening, you know, Jodeci, yeah. 
all of those sounds. Um, and that's what I wanted to, I wanted to be a part of it. Actually, at those points, those kind of time references, it was all really American music, really. TLC, you know, SWV, Brandy, Monica, all of that, you know, which I just all, still love and obs again, obsessed with. Um, so I went to college wanting to do music videos. And I went to a college called Stanmore College. Um, I grew up in Harrow. I went to a high school called Rooksheath High. And um, I went to college on this thing, you know, I'm going to be the next Hype Williams. <laughs> and um, it didn't work out. Because um, I'm, I'm somebody that if I'm going to do something, I want to get the best possible results. So if I'm going to spend my time doing something or, or, or spending my time doing anything, I want the best possible result. So when I was in college, I just realized that people weren't on the same level as me. And I think you'll probably find it in workplaces and when you do group work, people just weren't on the same level. So I'm working in a group of people that weren't putting in assignments on time. They didn't care to, you know, work as a group. They're all very individual. When you're young, you just want to party and enjoy yourself. You don't necessarily want to just um, do college work. But for, like I said, for me, if I'm going in it, I'm coming out with the best possible result, especially if I'm investing my time and my money and stuff. So yeah, my, yeah, so my, my tutor, Richard Hotchkiss at the time, was like, um, well, you know, there's other things you can do in the media that doesn't necessarily need group work. And for me, that was um, radio. He said, why don't you try radio? All you need is a mic. Grab the mic here. All you need is a mic and you go and you take it and you interview people. And then you can edit them. So you don't necessarily need a group. You could just do it on your own. And yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, okay, let me try that. And then that's how I kind of went into the radio direction. Um, came out of came out of college with some good grades, uh, distinction. I did a BTEC in media studies, uh, and and then um, I, I'm not I'm not someone who's super academic. That's my sister. Like she's you know I still call her up when I need spell help with spellings and stuff. So I'm not super academic, but I'm very creative. So I think it's good for people to know what your skills are. Because yeah. um, like exams and stuff, like I've done them in the past, but I work better doing like a group project or doing um, something that has like a, give you time to actually take all your passions and your ideas. And so that's why I went for a kind of group, um, BTEC national. Mm. Um, so I came out of that, did really well with that, got a distinction. And, um, and I just remember a lot of, um, just before I got the grade, a lot of the girls in my, in my um, college class were like, oh, you're going uni, you're going uni. And um, not, you know, not really people in my family go to uni. It wasn't something that we did. You know, like Glastonbury, like at them times, we weren't really going Glastonbury. You knew what it was, but you just didn't think it was, I didn't think it was for me. Um, yeah. my, sis my sister actually went the year before me and I was like, and the girls at college were like, oh, we're all going, you're going looting uni, we're going looting, you should come. And I was like, okay, you know why not why not yeah. but it wasn't something in my head that thought college uni um so I went and I went to Luton University which is now called um Bedfordshire University and I went and did a degree in media studies with radio production um which was amazing if I'm honest the first year was just party central you know you just learn you move out of home always, always. um enjoyed that but I think it's important to have that time to kind of leave your, your your family home and learn and and adapt and um have to pay your own bills and stuff so that was really good and um 
yeah, funny enough, some people that are on my course were like Ricky and Melvin, who used to work at KISS, that yeah. now work at, yeah, uh, Ricky and Melvin. And there's other people that work in production for the BBC and other different companies that were all on my course. So it's funny because now I look to where I am now and I see all, all my friends and all my um, ex, you know, uni mates all doing different kind of things. I remember listening on the radio and I had like two, three of my uni friends on the radio of different stations. So it was really good to kind of meet a like-minded people and people that are into the same kind of interests as you. So yeah. that was good. Um, I did that degree. Um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not an academic, so... I kind of did as much kind of the group work and the creative stuff that I could do, which my tutor at the time, Janie Gordon, I think she's still there. She kind of understood. And I um, I did a dissertation, but it was all based about, all based about um, radio. And, and my dissertation was based around black music radio, actually, um, which I completely forgot until recently, whereas I look at all the different black uh, radio stations across the UK and I wrote about it and what, what's in them and why they're there. Um, so I finished uni, I got a first class degree, which was great. Again, it's my obsession. If I wasn't obsessed with it, then I probably wouldn't get that degree. And also, again, like I said, if I go in and I invest my time into something, three years, I'm coming out with the best possible result because you're stressing me out. All these times I can't go out. I'm sitting there writing a dissertation. So for me, I don't really do things where I don't, what I'm not you know, obsessed with or passionate about because um, I just think it's a bit of a waste of time. So um, yeah. did that. Finished uni and that, that same tutor, Janie Gordon, she said to me, before you finish your course, you should try and get some work experience somewhere. And I was like, cool, cool, I'll look for somewhere. And she's like, what about Three Counties Radio? Now, Three Counties Radio is a local uh, radio station in Luton. Um, it's a BBC station. Um, and she was like, you should try there because a lot of the students from this course have gone on, not loads, a few students. Get in there, get in there, here's the contact. And I was just like listen to it mm-hmm. and I was just like what is what what is this? this this is like you know to be honest it's like for over 50s and it just felt like it, this is not me at all yeah. um but she just was on my back have you called them yet have you called them yet have you wrote done a letter have you contacted these people um and it took me a while and I was just like okay cool I'll do it I did it and I got some work experience and um I just ended up after that, they were, you know, I obviously did a good job and they were like, do you want to do some free freelance work for them? And then I started doing, even it was like one day a week, um, I'll go in. There was a show on there called The Black Mix, which was presented by a lady called Annette Griffiths, who's really helped me um, and taught me loads. Um, and she was like, come in, all right, come in once a week. I wasn't getting paid for that show, but at least I had a show to go to. You know, when you're yeah. obsessed with radio, it's like, oh, no, I'm going to do my show on a Saturday, on Saturday night as well. Um, so, um, did that with Annette and the person that who was getting paid was a guy called Darren Chapman and, um, he would go in and do his two hours there, but he'd be getting paid. And bear in mind, I was working at Tesco's at this point in Dunstable mm. and, um, and I was having to get my shift covered to do this, you know, this radio thing that I'm obsessed with. And mm. in the end, I ended up leaving because um, you've got to pick. I had to pick. And I just thought, if they can't give me the shifts and be flexible, then I need to chase this radio dream. Like, I've got an opening. Yeah. Um, and then Darren ended up, funny enough, Darren Chapman ended up um, getting a job at Radio 1 to work with Trevor Nelson. Yeah. 
what, what? Darren applied for this job and he got this this amazing job working at Radio One, working for Trevor Nelson. I remember seeing the job, applying for the job, all of that. And, and Darren got this job and it was like, what? Which meant that as he left to go to Radio One, I got this two hour, I mean, it's not a lot of money, but I got this two hour show to answer phones on the black mix with the net. And that was my real way into the BBC. Um, and also, you know, Free uh, Counties was giving me um, freelance work. So I was like the receptionist, any shift needed covering, I was available because I'm just trying to get paid and, and you know, keep the money flowing really, because it's tough. Yeah. When, you're, when you're a freelancer, when you're a freelancer, it's tough. Um, so that is how I kind of got into the BBC and that was working for free and being available and just showing passion and, you know, I, like I said, I, I was loving it. And it's even funny because even when I started you, um, when I started doing freelancing, I just wanted, I just wanted more. I was like, I want more shifts. And I used to just drive past it. Give me more shifts. Like, who's in there? Um, and then um, there wasn't really, you know, as a freelancer, there's times where you get a lot of work and there's times when you don't. So you might get Christmas, great time. Summer, you get loads of work. But any, any of those other times away from actual holidays, it can be quite yeah. tough. So my money was going, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. I had to support myself because um, I didn't have, you know, you know, this family or, um, you know, nuclear mm. family where the dad could go, oh, don't worry, we'll just give you a hundred pounds and stay, you know, a week. Like I was there. I've come from a single parent family. So survival was always in my DNA. Mm. Um, so I um, applied for every single job that I could find, including like a BBC, like every job I might... Send, 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 send. All these rejection letters. Yeah. Um, and then I got one back from a radio station called BBC Radio Gloucestershire. And Gloucestershire, I don't know if anyone's ever been there, but it's between kind of Birmingham. It's like Birmingham and Bristol over here. And yeah. I'd never been, I'd never been there before, ever. Never even yeah. heard of it, to be honest with you. From, you know, London girl. So, um, but I thought, oh, they've, they've offered me like an interview. Yeah. So I... Um, I went, got my little Ford Fiesta, cross country, went there. And yeah. I'm, as, I'm, as I'm driving there, I'm seeing all these cows and goats <laughs> and sheep. And I'm just like, what on earth is, this is not for me. So I'm driving there. Yeah. So by the time I get to the radio station, I'm thinking, nah. I'm not even on this. <laughs> so in my interview, I think I was just a little bit more confident and a little bit more cheeky. Because it's just like, Whatever, yeah, yeah, I didn't care. Didn't care. It's like, yeah, what? Because I remember at the end, the guy was like, um, "Can we ask you one more question, Denisa?" And I'm like, "Another one?" You know, just all banter. I was giving it all the banter, and um, and as I was driving home, they called me and said, "We'd like to offer you the job." <laughs> and um, so obviously, I just discussed it with my family because I thought that's quite far out. I don't know anybody there. Um, yeah. It's a long way away from you know anybody that I know and um, the decision that was going to take it and just try and use the opportunity to kind of further my career within the BBC because it's, it's contracted mm. but here's the twist though here's the twist the twist is it was only a part-time job oh. and, and I didn't know because they had this thing called per rata. I don't know what that meant I don't yeah. know. so I've gone here got this job ready to pack up my things and, and, and go country. Yeah. <laughs> and it's up for a part-time job. So I've, I'm there now thinking, okay, let me see how I'm going to make this work. So I've got this flat. Um, 
and I thought, okay, cool, but I need another job. So I ended up working, um, to start with, I ended up working at Sainsbury's um, and doing, uh, but my sh and I used to do this shift that finished at seven and my shift at Sainsbury's started at seven. So luckily they used to let me out at quarter to seven. So I'd dash out, put my Sainsbury's outfit on, in the car, go and do it. So I was always a little bit late. So that's how I kind of managed it. And then when they changed my shift around and I couldn't do Sainsbury's anymore, I had to get a part-time job. And I do tell people this, and it does make me cringe a little bit, but I had to get another job. And there was a, a job as for a cleaner working in the radio station. And it, and I've, I've not done cleaning and it's not something, do you know what I mean? That I thought I would have to do, but it was like a part means to grind, an end. Okay. Part yeah, of the grind, the part of the grind. And do you know what? It, it allowed me to do, it gave me that flexibility because as long as the building was clean before everyone got, in the got back in the morning, I could do my shift or whatever I had to do and have that flexibility to clean after. So I used to obviously do what, clean, cleaning the toilets and da 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 da, which it wasn't ideal because I could see that it affected the way that people looked at me in the building. So one minute I'm sitting there saying, yes, we've got coming up, I'm going to go do a report on this. And then the next minute, I've got the mop and bucket in my hand. So it did affect how people saw me. And someone used to do some disgusting nastiness in the toilet as well, which I thought was so disrespectful because they knew I had to clean it. So um, that wasn't great. Um, so yeah, it was a means to an end. And I, and I was there for just under two years. I learned loads because when you work in local radio, there's so much opportunities to learn. So I did some presenting, reporting. They had like this thing called the radio car. So I used to go around, put the big old mask up, and then you can just report from anywhere. And I just learned so much about things that I'm not necessarily interested in, but how to make a story and storytelling and meeting lovely people. I had no issues. I remember I was, I counted it, it was like 14 days or something. I didn't see another black person for like 14 days. And that's not my normal life. It was just random, but I didn't have any issues. Everyone was so lovely to me. And it was just a, a learning curve. And I just learned loads, but I just knew for me, again, like you just said, everything's like a means to an end. And I knew it. And, and again, after that time, I um, applied for every job going again, because I knew my, I've done anything that's here and I'm so far away from home. So I applied for loads of jobs. And it was a job at Radio One working in their speech. It was called Speech and Campaigns Department then. Um, so I applied for this job and I've got an interview. And it's funny because, it, you know, I didn't say that because Darren was already at Radio One. Yeah. He allowed me to go and do like a day, no, two days work experience with him. Just kind of unofficial. So I went in on the Friday and I saw how they put it. It was a guy called Devon Daly and Darren. And they just took me under their wing and they were just showing me how Radio One worked. I met Trevor for the first time and... Then I sat in on these shows, a Saturday show. And that just, that just, that alone allowed me. So when I put my CV in for the, the, the speech, and speech, speech and campaigns department, the first thing I'm putting on there is Radio One work experience <laughs> or Radio One experience. So it just kind yeah. of puts you straight to the top of the pile. They're like, oh, Radio One. Okay, cool. So I got this interview to work on their speech and campaigns. I went down to London and um and the interview was tough like it was so intense they were so close to me i just remember they were just there like in front of me hitting me with all these questions and um it just I, somehow i got i got offered the job and it's like okay great so i'm gonna come all the way back to london stayed with my mom for a while but then there was a twist the twist was it's only a three-month contract 
So what do you do? Because nothing's easy. I want people to know that it's not easy. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of work. You've got to prove yourself, you know, if you really yeah. want to get these opportunities. Yeah. So I, um, I did my three months and luckily it just get, kept getting extended. So it got extended to three months and it was six months and then it was a year and then it was, you know, a year and a half, but you, but then jobs came up there that I could apply for. And so that was great. And then, then I ended up being there for another up until two, yeah, for another 14 years. Damn. Oh, I was reading you did 16 years. 16 yeah. years, but including Radio Gloucestershire. And then yeah. Radio 1 and 1 Extra. Damn, you know what? That's mad, even saying it. <laughs> Where's my life gone? <laughs> my life's gone to the BBC. Because even though I don't work there anymore, I do feel like it's weird because there's this... It's like my second home. It's like my second home. It's weird because it's like, in you know, it's, it's what I know and what I've learned, where I've trained... So, right. um, get onto that because the B your BBC career is serious. Like, and obviously, I was doing my research and like mm. seeing that you've produced shows for Annie Mack, you know, Trevor Nelson, Niho. Like, talk to us about that. How did you find that? You know, how did you find producing those shows? And yeah, um. It, it when you work in a building like that, you tend to be moved around depending on your experience. So I didn't really have too much of a say on where I went. Um, it's just about having a connection with somebody really and thinking and if you can um, take them to the next level. But um, I started off working with uh, on the surgery because I went there to do speech and campaigns and they had a, a, a job in the, working on the Sunday surgery, which was um like a talk show for young people two hours a week 9 p.m till 11 p.m i worked with a lovely woman called Susanna wallace who taught me loads and emma b was the presenter and i learned so much like it's actually funny enough doing the surgery is probably the hardest show that i've ever worked on because you're dealing with a live you're dealing with live radio with young people talking about things from abuse to sexual health money problems drug issues and this is all live on the radio and you have to deal with it and they're doing you're doing a live phone in, crazy. So that was the that was the hardest. And I think because I had that as a training ground, that allowed everything else to be so much easier. You know yeah. what's next? Oh, let's do the chart show. Radio One chart show is just a countdown of songs. <laughs> no one's trying to kill themselves here. But I'm dealing like the surgery was serious. Every week was serious. But I just I just felt like I was making a difference with that show. Yeah. Um, changing people's lives, getting young girls that were being abused, getting them the help that they needed. So, boy, just, yeah, really important part of my journey working on, on that show. Um, and then I think I got moved to do, like, we moved around, like, I worked on the Radio 1 chart show. Mm. And I remember when I did it, Rihanna was number one, you know, when it was Umbrella. Yeah. It was number one, week after week after week after. So what do you write about with that song after how many weeks at number one? Um, so I worked on that. I worked with uh, Nahal on his breakfast show. I launched that with him and he, me and him are still great friends. Um, yeah. And that's, when I, that's where I started to do my own visual content, funny enough, because I had a bit more freedom because I was producing the show. So that's when I got my camera and I started filming all the interviews and stuff. So you can, there's a lot of them on YouTube now. weren't allowed to. I, kind of, I think I got shut down at the time because it was so early when, um, you know, when big companies were using YouTube. They saw YouTube as a threat at yeah. that time. Don't use YouTube. Don't use Facebook. But I'm just like, what's the problem? So after the show, yeah. we used to do seven, at 7 a.m. till 10 a.m. We used to do the show. And I'll stay until 1, 2 in the morning 
um, in the afternoon editing Crazy. videos to just put on YouTube because I thought it was interesting, the people that we interviewed. Like, um, I just found a few. I remember we did N-dubs when they were just like baby N-dubs when they first started. Dappy and Talisa were like this high and stuff. And um, it's yeah, on YouTube nah, now. I think he's in the chat somewhere. Oh my God, yeah, 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 of course. So, um, so yeah, for me, it was really important too. And that's when I started doing visual content. Nobody wanted me to do it. I was getting shut down, but I just thought it was really important, you know? Um, so I did that, did the Hall show, and then I worked on Joe Wiley's show, and that was different. Like all these, these are all different experiences because Joe was, um, you know, how many people listen? Like five million people listening um, to a show every day, and I used to watch her because Joe used to coming from Northampton. Tell me if I'm big, getting too much detail, by the no, way. No, I'm no, just no, talking stuff. Joe used to coming from Northampton, and and she used to she had I think at the time she had three kids. She's coming from Northampton, do the radio show, then have loads of other media bits to do after, filming this, filming that. And then I, I just managed to get my, my clothes on and come into work. So I'm thinking, Denise, you need to step up. Joe's done this, Joe's done feed her kids. She's done this, she's got, on a she's got on a train and she's come in. So that's what made me kind of up my levels in terms of what, I'm, what am I doing? What yeah. have I done today? Oh, I've had some breakfast and I'm coming to do the show. Joe Wiley's done this, 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 and this. That really um, made me step up my game, just watching how she worked. And I mean, we went to Glastonbury together. That was the um, year that Jay-Z did it and Amy Winehouse was there. Um, she, um, again, these are like great moments. I had um, Amy, Whitehouse, Amy Winehouse in front of me in Glastonbury, you know, and then Jay-Z comes on to, you know, a crowd that I don't know if they wanted him there. I think they did. It was just all, all a bit mad at the time. So that's when I was working on Joe's show. And um, and then I just kind of moved around. Then I did Trevor Nelson's show because um, he used to do 7 p.m. on Saturday nights on Radio 1 and 1 Extra. They That's when they started to merge the stations together. Yeah. Um, and I did Trevor. Like, we're really good friends. We have a good chat all the time. We did like an hour and a half chat with Trevor. Yeah. Um, so I worked with him. And then I started working with Mr. Jam as well. When Mr. Jam first came on to Radio 1, he had like a jam. show from like, I think it was like, one till three in the morning. Like a lot of these DJs, they put in the work. You don't even realize they're doing the night shift. And the I worked with Fab been on here. He was telling his story. Oh, serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I did Fabio and Groove Rider, which was another crazy time. I started working with Groove Rider because he had a few um, issues with coming back from Dubai and he got locked up in Dubai. So I started working with him after, as soon as he came back. And yeah. um, they're like, oh, Denise, you're going to work with Groove Rider now. He's just had all these issues, but you know, you, you sort him out. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> You know, but he was lovely. Like, he's like my brother. Fabian Groove like my brother. So when you work with DJs, they become your family. They got your back, you know, and vice versa. And we had some good times together. And, and I'm someone that's just real. Like, I, I try and do what I can for the DJs to elevate themselves. So if they're not good at one thing, I might try and help them in there. If they're great at this, elevate them to there. Um, I just had some really, really good relationships. And, and, you know, when you see, when I see them now... It's just everything is just growth. When I see Nahal, I'm doing his thing, Five Live and stuff. It's just growth. So it's anything that they need, I'm there and kind of vice versa. And that's when I, like I said, Radio 1 and 1 Extra started merging together. Mm. So um, I started working then at 1 Extra. So I worked with Ronnie Harrell. Like I could just, the list could go on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And then I, I left... Oh, Charlie, yeah. I haven't even spoken about Charlie. See, I, was, I was just going to get to that because <laughs> I was like, you're working with all these people yeah. and then you start working with Charlie Sloth and it feels like 
you and Charlie Slove just mm. create something that is groundbreaking, iconic, fire in the booth, the show that he had. We got to touch on that because. Yes. Okay, so. That's um, today and it's iconic. Well, yeah. How did that come so around? So I got told that I was going to be working with Charlie Slough. See, they were going to give him a Saturday show. No, they gave him a Saturday show. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning till one. Mm. And they're like, we're going to move you to go and do that show. And I was like, cool. So I kind of did some research, listened to him. And I was like, whoa, this guy is loud. You know, but I love it. I love the energy. I love it. I love personality de uh, broadcasting anyway. Mm. And um, so I went to work with him. We used to do the show in the mornings on a Saturday. And, and I, because I'd worked with a lot of talent, I can recognise when someone's getting a lot of engagement and people are loving it. You can tell from the messages that are coming in and you can tell from, you know, um, just social media and people talking to you. Oh my God, did you, you know, even in the building. Oh my God, I heard what Charlie said then. And I can say, whoa, this guy's got something. And, mm -hmm. and all I can do as a producer is let him, off the, let him off the leash and let him be him, you know? And that's how we started. We actually started, because I, I wasn't always one to be on air. At Radio One, teams were not supposed to be on air. Teams, you know, producers were not supposed to be on air unless it was like a Zoom format, like a Chris Miles kind of situation. But everyone else, you, you, you speak on air or you say something, you get, did I hear you on air today? <laughs> I'm just checking, because you know we don't have that here. But with Charlie, yeah. me and he, everything with me and Charlie was just natural. And my kind of role or character on, on doing the show with him just became, I think I was a bit naggy because he was saying some mad, outrageous stuff. He was, <laughs> I, he'll be like, I'm not playing music today. And as the producer, I'm like, what? You've got to play music. But yeah. the way that he does his broadcast and the way that he presents is just so engaging to people. It was just like, and then from when we did the Saturday, because the numbers and the figures had gone up and everything was amazing with the show, yeah. They were like, oh, hi guys, we want to give you Monday to Friday on drive time, taking over from that Westwood slot. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. So we took all the features and everything we did on a Saturday and we bought it and I bought it to Monday to Friday, nice and easy. By the end of the first week, I had the management on my case going, <laughs> we didn't realise he was so loud. I'm like, have you not been listening to this guy? <laughs> we need you to tone him down, tone him down. Honey, I'm not turning him nothing down. I'm turning it up. I'm turning yeah. it up, if anything. We're just getting started. <laughs> yeah, no way. Listen, I would never do that to presenters. To make presenters change who they are, the way that they speak, or that's not it. When someone's got a personality, you've got to, you've got to let it shine. You just have to kind of zone them in slightly in terms of broadcasting, but let them do what, who they are and stuff. Mm. Um, so we started doing Drive Time together. I think we did it for like, I think it was like five years. And we just smashed it. We won loads of awards. It was just became, I feel like we had a bit of a cult following because people used to come back after school and they'll be, they'll check in with us. And so listen, you know, I you see... you from that show. Like I would listen to that show and Charlie would be like, yeah, the listeners looking at me all bad. <laughs> like, right, like, he, like he brought you so much into it. It felt like listening to that daytime show, you felt like you were in the room with you and him. Do you know what I mean? It felt yeah. like you were there. And I always used to be like, this is this is this guy's killing it. Do you know what I mean? Like because you just felt like he was loud, but he was funny. He was rude, but still funny. Do you know what I mean? And the music he played was good. Plus his interaction between you felt like mm. you were there. You felt like you were learning something or getting jokes or 
whatever it was. It felt very personal, so it was good. Yeah, and do you know what? End up, me and him, like we're best friends now. But as we were doing the show, we were just such good friends. Mm-hmm. Everything that you heard was just natural, and I don't think anyone's really done that in radio before, where you've got two friends that mm. actually are just being natural to each other. We used to have the worst arguments on air. This is real. I remember when we, we had some big old row, right? And then I remember Stylo G was our guest and Stylo came in. We, we weren't even talking. Stylo came in to do this interview. And I just remember Charlie had like three questions for Stylo and this interview was done quick. Yeah. And then I think Stylo came back a year later and he was a bit nervous. He's like, um, yeah, it was a bit weird last time when I did the interview with you guys. I said, mate, we had the biggest round before you came in, you know? So, um, That's funny. It was, it, was just, it was just real and we were just being ourselves. And the most important thing that we were trying to do is spark emotion from people. If you're going to make a radio show, you, if, if you either they either love it, they hate it, or they're in love with it, or whatever, whatever the emotion is, that's what we tried to do. Obviously, we used to get people texting in, this is awful, you fat this and you fat that. <laughs> and me and Charlie are like, Yes, emotion. Yes. It's, when, it's when people swipe to the left or swipe to the right or they switch off, that means that they don't care. It means that they don't care. And that's not what we're trying to do. I'd rather you say that you hate this show. But guess what? You've taken the energy to, ter- to tell us, to text in, waste your money to tell us that you don't like it. But let's pretend you know you like it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. <laughs> guess what? You'll be back next week for the banter, you know? So that's all we tried to, to do. <laughs> exactly. We just t- tried to spark emotion and we did that. Um, and it was really successful. It was quite outrageous. I don't think they were ready for us, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. You know, we were smashing it. I think we were smashing it too much. Some of the feedback that I used to get was just like, oh, can you do less? Can you do, can you, there's other shows, there's other shows. Um, can you just like bring it down a bit? And because um, there's other shows and it's just like you lot getting all the attention. And, and I'll be like, so what, you want me to do less? And it's like, crazy. yeah, do, do, do less because there's other shows and there's others. Do you know what they said to me at one point? They were like, this station's starting to sound like Charlie Slough FM. Can you do less? Wow. And I was just like, wow. Can you imagine <laughs> saying that to a member of staff, really and truly? It's just like kind of messing with your head because you're trying to give everything to it. And then from that point, that really changed me because that's when I started doing my own stuff. That's when I started my own, um, I started doing media training with artists. So I set up my own production company. That's when I started doing my teaching. I went back to college and I, started, I got a teaching degree because I thought to myself, if, if this is the situation, I can't really give anything else. If, if, if I'm firing off all cylinders and, it's, and you want me to do less, then let me give you half of me and this other half, I'm going to go and do my thing. I'm going to do things for me now. And that's when I started doing, and then I went back to college, like I said, and I thought I want to start doing teaching, teaching radio production. So I went and got uh, qualified again. Like I said, I'm not an academic, but this was very much academic with um, Mm. what I had to do to get my teaching qualification. And then I took that and then I got um, a teaching job at Birmingham City University. Um, And I started, yeah. And then what I also do, which I still do now, up until now, is I do media training to, so all your favorite rappers, their labels and their managers hire me to do media training with the artists. So it's another thing that I do, (laughs) uh, which which is nice because I kind of get a one-to-one with the artists and I can find out more about them and I get them to kind of represent themselves in the right way. Yeah. And it's tough. Like artists go through a lot. They all have their own issues and, it's just nice to break it down sometimes. Sometimes, like one thing that I got brought into w- with, a, with a label was one of their artists 
was just going crazy on social media and they weren't, he wasn't listening to them. So they brought me in to find out why he did it. And then, you know, and it's nice for me to kind of merge the two once you've spoken to one and, and, you know, and then I had one artist, <laughs> a label brought me in because there was one particular artist who um, kept going around in interviews saying that he was unsigned because it was cooler to say unsigned. So the label was like, you need to, can you please speak to him? Can you, can you, can you please speak to him and, and um, tell him that he is signed. So I just had to sit him down and say, look, there's loads of positives that you can say about being signed as well. Look who's on the roster, the biggest artist in the world. So it's all different things I do with media training and they bring me in and, um, which I probably, yeah, I, I still want to do because I think it's really important. And then, but, so, um, so to touch on this point, so you're like, you're, you're killing it with Charlie Sloth. Yeah, Byron Abu's going mental. We're getting millions crazy. of views. Yeah, millions of views. Labels are looking. Artists are getting deals from it. All sorts going on. Mm -hmm. And then you're feeling like you got to be curved. You're getting told fall back. It's too much. At what point yeah. do you? I guess you and Charlie or Charlie. Like at what point do you go? Red out out. Do you know what I mean? Red out out because. Let me just tell you, when that move happened, mm. I remember sitting there thinking, how can the BBC let Charlie mm. Sloth leave? <laughs> and then how can they let him leave before the booth? And I know he owned it, but I was mm -hmm. just like, my business said, my, my brain is telling me this is not gonna, this is a bad thing that they've allowed mm. this to happen. So it was inevitable. It, it was actually inevitable. And I see a lot of people leaving. I saw Todd Lattie's leaving. Um, I saw that yesterday and people are leaving. <clears throat> it's, a, it's, a, it's a situation where the BBC, as it stands now, they don't want their talent and their DJs to do other things like working with streaming sites or certain brands. They try and say, if you're working for BBC, that's all you're going to do. And I just, that's a bit of a conflict for a DJ. So say you're a DJ that's only on once a week. Mm. and you've got two hours slot but then you're getting offers from this streaming site or this brand and this brand and all these different things you have to the dj then has to weigh it up and think well they're going to pay me probably five times more than what i'm getting here so a lot of the djs now have to figure out where they're going to go hopefully i'm hoping the bbc start lightening their rules to let people make their money in other places but as it stood that's how it was so a lot of djs had to make that decision um, I know there was a lot of BS going around saying he'd been sacked by the BBC and all of that, which was not true at all. He left. He already resigned before any madness happened. But it's funny because I was, um, I put a tweet out. I remember being at the BBC. The, the narrative that they tried to push was that he got sacked and it just wasn't true. I put a tweet out. I got told to take it down. Do you know what I mean? Like, take it down. But in my head, I'm like, anyway, let me not even go there. Let me not even go there right now. But all I'm going to say... It's a private say, convo, Delissa. It's a private convo. Let me not say anything. But, um, but all I'm going to say is, you know, it gets to a point where a DJ's career, where they have to weigh up what they want to do. Charlie's solid. Do you know what I mean? If you're, if you're, his, his brand is solid. If you're, if you're a presenter or a DJ and your one income is the BBC or, you know, this is all you do, then you, you, your brand, you're kind of stuck, really. If your band's bigger, say you're doing producing or you've got, you know, if you look at, um, like I was the Disturbing London brand, it's huge. It's got so many different avenues and pockets of ways of making money. Then you're good. You can bounce out of there. I know Charlie does. I, he's, I think he, I don't even know how, I don't want to put it out there, but man's got over 40 properties. 
in the housing market Wait, on what? rental. He's got over. I don't know if I should be putting his business out there, but he's got over forty properties. So he don't. Yeah, so, yes. so he don't need to worry about that BBC money coming in. So he needs to what he, what he cares about is is the future and moving things forward for himself. And do you want to sit on something that is you know doing that, or do you want to do deal with something that is going? Shh. And Apple, they're 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 leaders. They got the technology, you know, and that's why he decided to go to Apple. I personally was ready to bounce after we did the Drake fire in the booth. That was July 2018. I was ready to bounce. I was ready to bounce because it's like, where where are we going next after this? Where are we going next, Charlie? So I was ready. I was ready to bounce, and um, and I got offered. I got offered a job, and Charlie was like, Delisa, don't do anything yet. Don't do anything. Stay as you are. They've got something's happening. Just stay as you are. And then, um, and then we so bounced. One of them ones, trust me, innit? He's not telling you, but he's like, just trust me, I've got you. <laughs> Hold my hand. Hold my hand, Lisa. We'll go over here. But that's what you trust, because like I said, me and him, are, are, we're best friends. So I completely trust him, and he completely trusts me. And, um, and then we did that, and, uh, and I've just literally finished. I think I did um, a year and a half at Apple Music. Yeah. I literally just finished. Still just cleaning up a few little bits of admin and stuff, but it's it's gonna be uh how was that how was the apple experience because like you said you've you've left bbc with drake fire the booth epic moment like literally just confirm what fire the booth was about and has been about that one of the biggest rappers biggest artists in the world period has like yeah i'm in london i need to do this and then you're now here at apple you know and like you said before i'm leading they're lead right. listen the, the kind of person that i am is like i said to you I'm, I'm someone who's a leader a forward thinker i'm not sitting there trying to just repeat rinse and repeat 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 there's times when you have to get off and try something new and the thing is what you've got to bear in mind like i said to you earlier if it comes down to it i've worked in if it all goes tits up i've worked in mcdonald's before drive through knees done drive through i've worked i've cleaned toilets before so if it all goes tits up I can do that, plus I can do all my training, all my media training. That's how I think yeah. in my head. I don't allow a company or a business or a brand to define who I am and what I do. Because life's too short for that, as far as I'm concerned. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I'm always kind of trying to develop, trying to learn, trying to try different things. And, um, and then, like, naturally, my time with Charlie is we were always going to, it was always going to, because we're both doing this, we're both leaders, and we're both doing this. And my time now is he's still at, still at Apple and I'm heading in the Amazon music direction. But we're still, we're still, we're still close, but it's just like that at the minute. So. And so how was that? Because obviously you're at Apple, you're at a leading brand um, in technology, you know, killing it, doing great things. And then I know you can't talk about it too much because you started there, but yeah. how was that decision to leave? Because obviously you're, you're leaving essentially your best friend. You're leaving a show that you've built, you know, something iconic. You know, how, how was um, that? When I decided to take the job at Amazon, the, the, the first thing in my mind was Charlie. Like, it was weighing heavily. And I had to think about it. It took me a week. I had to think, because this is, a, this is they've started a new brand called Plus Four Four, and there's loads going on, and things they've spoken to me about is just... Because I work off, also I work off excitement. And like, like I said about passion. So when there's something that, that's being floated, little carrot, all this, I'm like, I want it. But also thinking that I've got a team that I work with. 
um, to deliver fire in the booths. And obviously Charlie was a, a, a big part of that. Mm. So what I, what I ended up doing, I remember calling him on the Saturday morning. I thought about it for the whole week <laughs> and I called him on the Saturday. And what I did is I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I just thought Denise would just read the whole thing. Yeah. So I called him up and I was like, hi, Charlie. So basically this is happening. I'm going to be moving. Blah, 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 blah. I'm really happy for you, man. This is amazing news. So, yeah. and then it just was all perfect from there. I've not had anything negative about him. Um, yeah. So it's just because the thing is, I I still feel like even though we're going to be working with competitors, really, I still feel like we're still going to be close. We're still going to be friends and stuff. So, no, yeah. And then in terms of that, like I said, I know you can't say too much, but mm. how are you feeling about that? Because what I'm getting and you know, your journey is amazing is you run off, like you said, the passion, the excitement, you know, the opportunity. And I guess this is one that's caught your taste buds. You're on it, you're up for it. How are you feeling about when you, you know are, are you like just raring to go now? Or are you just like... Well, I'm, I'm taking a little holiday, but when I come back, but the holiday that I'm going to take is really important for me because I need to stop Anything far in the booth, Charlie Sloth has to get parked now. I need a little week off to get my head straight. And then I start Amazon early September. So next week will be very much about, because I've been, what I've been doing is anything that comes into my head, any ideas, I just put them in my phone, like it's notes. Now I want to think of developing them and what I can do there. And I, I know what I need to do. I think, you know, my culture, the people that I've worked with, the artists, that I've worked with, I think we all know what we're, where we're trying to go. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's exciting. And um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm rearing to go. I'm really kind of having people are calling me and having conversations. I'm like, I haven't started yet. Give me a week, give me, wait. You know, <laughs> all calling me up. up. <laughs> no, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Um, Cause obviously I like Complex wrote a lovely piece and there's been some lovely, so people think that I've started already and I haven't started. Um, but I think, it's, you know, I know what I need to do. I've got great contacts. Mm. Again, for me, it's about pushing our scene, pushing our culture in the right way. You know, because I've seen, I've seen, I've had to deal with some, even though I'm talking about all loads of positive stuff, I've had to deal with some, you know, I'm, I'm, the, kind, I'm the kind of person that even throughout my whole career, I stand up for things, things that aren't right. I stand up for things and I'll say my piece. Um and not everybody does, like, even with all the Black Lives Matter and, and people are talking and, you know, we should be doing this and that. And, and loads of companies now coming together and doing more things for black music and black culture. I was push, I've always pushed this from day dot. So that's not going to change. I think people who know me know what I'm like. I've dealt with some, to stand up and say stuff and things that you're not happy with, things that should be changed. You know, you get, you get blacklisted really. People don't want to work with you and they'll say nasty things and she's this and she's that. But ultimately, I'm just trying to push our culture in the right way and it's not always been done. Like, it's tricky to get people to understand black culture. Like, I was in a meeting, won't go into the details, but there was, the, there was a song, there was, there, was a, there was a song and it had the N-word being repeated in the, in the chorus. Yeah. And this woman, she was from some advertising agency and she wanted to use that part of the song to make her final package. So throughout this whole package, it was N-word, 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 Edward. So I said to her, excuse me, I said, do you mind not using that edit of the song? I can get you a clean edit. 
so we don't have to hear the n-word going out repeatedly yeah so when i sat in this presentation and she's used the dirty version at all yeah. do you see what i mean but it's i have to stand up I could, you know things like that people being listened to again i've been in situations at certain radio stations when they'll say i'm not going to name the station when they turn around and say we're not going to use the word black music anymore it's not inclusive things like that that i've had to mm -hmm. find, whoa whoa calm down let me speak yeah. let me say something let me tell you why this is not a good idea let me let me speak and let me talk about my culture and let's do the, you know, I've had to stand up and say some some stuff, and and it's not it's not always people don't want to hear it. But I think that's what's so exciting about the future because Amazon clearly needs someone like you. You know, we we could be very honest; they haven't had the representation over the years, like maybe other DSPs, and they yeah, yeah, like, really, yeah. you know, they really want to get involved. And as someone that's an A and R label, I see, I see when they're like. We could give you this billboard, you know, we could give you this, we could do that. But it feels great to have someone that's going to go in and understand the scene and the culture and be able to represent it how it should be, you know. And I think as someone from the scene, I think I say for most people that we're excited to have you there because you've got to do the job right and you can lead on us and we can lead on you. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's really exciting. And you know what, for me as well, a lot of it is just natural and organic. It doesn't feel like I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to, you know, not do the job properly. It just feels natural. And that's why I know that this position will really work really nicely for me. Like I said, I've got great contacts. I know a lot of the artists. I understand what's acceptable in our culture and what isn't, you mm. know. Um, and I just, just want to help people. And, um, and, I, and I answer my phone. A lot of people don't answer their phone, I've realised, in this, in this music industry. <laughs> But I do. No, no, no. They I don't know. Whereas I try and answer and call people back and text them back. Sorry, can't talk. You know what I mean? Just respectful and try and be honest to try and give feedback. Just just so um people because I did I did Chucky's podcast um probably around June time and I got bombarded with people. So I try and reply back to them, they want advice and help. Obviously there's only so much I can do. But for me, just a one reply back or this or giving them a contact to somebody else that might be able to help them that I know, that's for me is just standard. That's what I've worked to get to this position. Because if I can get up here, then I can bring people with me, people that look like me, people that come from the same council estates that I've come from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's really important. So on that note, we've yeah. got a few questions because time is flying to listen. <laughs> so let's get into a few of them here. Um, drinking Charlie's vodka, by the way. <laughs> oh no, they give it time for. Oh, somebody's writing no, no, something. Oh, yet. so someone, uh, we've got oh. Ari Universe goes, Were there times you felt like giving up? Were there, ty were there times where I felt like giving up? There was times when it wasn't going to be my option. I thought I was going to get sacked, to be honest. But um, times I felt like giving up, It's it, it's been hard. It's been so hard. And I think it's the times when I've had to fight for my my race and my culture, to be honest. Because remember, I could be one of 20 black people in the room. I'm sorry, one of one black person to 20 white people. So why would they understand? Why would they understand me? Why would they understand what I'm fighting for and, and make understand my culture when they don't need to? Do you see what I mean? So those times are hard. But what I do 
is when I feel like that and I feel negative, what I do now is I take that negative energy and I put it into something that's going to make me progress. Hence my media training, hence doing my production company. So I take that negative energy and turn it into positive energy. That's the only way I can deal with it. And there's been a lot of time, boy. It's tough. Super tough. Can't lie. Yeah, the game is definitely tough. It's not for the faint-hearted. No. <laughs> um, we've got another question here from that girl, Tally. And she goes, is it possible to get to the levels of Delissa while still living in Leeds? Less opportunities up here, but I want to see North grow. But I'm 40 coming back. And I can't actually see the rest. But I guess we could go from there. Is it? There's yeah. loads of opportunities. I think what people need to understand um, is that the music scene in the UK is just growing, growing. Do you remember like, it was all used to be London-centric? Now it's yeah. growing all over the UK. Because what you could be, that girl could be the, the Leeds correspondent. You could be hooking me up. See, the thing mm. about your city and your towns, you could be that one person that represents it in terms of media or music. Do you see what I'm saying? You feel you might feel like you're up there on your own and whatever, but you know what? You could that that's actually could be a good thing for you because then you're there repping. Now, anyone, if anyone comes to Leeds or wants to know anything about Leeds, you're the girl to go to. Like even like doing a podcast about Leeds music scene or Leeds culture or Leeds anything, you take that and you make it grow. So I'm going to be coming to you for information. <laughs> you know what I mean? I need to know about what's going on in Leeds. I need your contact details. You need to hook me up. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So don't think that if you're in one place, that actually makes you more unique and more special. You should be hitting up my inbox. Hi, Delisa. Da, 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 da. I've got leads on lock. Whatever you need, come through me. You know what I mean? That, yeah, I'd, I'd like that as well, because I'll be like, that's the leads plug. <laughs> Any, if I need to know. Plug, anything I need. Those. I need to know everything, every spot. What's the hot spot to go to when I go to Leeds? What's the best hotel? What's the best food? Yeah. Everyone has everyone who's watching this. Everyone's unique in that's, what they do and what and they can bring. You know what we've had? We've had Despa from Birmingham on here. We've had edits from Manchester. Like that's also good examples of just working in your area and being that guy and being that person that people know and mess with. So yeah, definitely. All right, we're gonna breeze through these next ones because our day time's going. How long have we got? Just make sure the questions are short. We've got about eight minutes. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, the aura goes, do you work with unsigned artists? Yes, definitely. It's so important because you've got to remember all, all your favourite rappers, they're all unsigned at one point. Do you see what I mean? Flying a booth, you know, is, is was made off of unsigned artists. Five years ago, all these rappers that are doing amazing numbers now, they're all unsigned. You know, labels are, well, you'll know, signing them up quicker than I can even get to them for a fire in the booth. And then it's like, oh, you want to find the booth? No, you've got to go through the label, you know? <laughs> so definitely. And don't forget, um, just even talking BBC-wise, in every place in the UK, every city, there's a BBC station and they do this thing called BBC Introducing where they'll play music and they'll play music from local artists and then it'll go, if you're good enough and they like it, it might go to a national radio station. They can play your music out to the whole country. So don't forget to use all the plugs and all the radio stations and all the events in your own area. It's, it's so important because I say this to artists all the time that come to me that are unsigned and they're like, oh, you know, can, can you help me get big? And I'm like, well, are you big in your own area? First of all, if you're not big in your own area, that's, you need, that's where you have to start your foundations. Your foundations need to be built somewhere. And if you start in your own area, 
guess what? You're going to have so many cheerleaders and people promoting your music. Mm. And it won't matter about whatever's happening because you've got, again, you've got your city on lock. You take that and then you grow and you expand it. Like you've got to have your city behind you before you're even trying to go anywhere else. It's so important. And what will happen is 20 years time when you're doing your retirement gig, those people are going to come to your gig because they've invested in you. But just remember just to build your platforms. Don't feel like you're going to get from zero to 100 real quick. It don't always work like that. You have to go slowly, slowly, slowly. I mean, that's my whole career, just building. I used to, well, I still do it. I write down where I am now and where I want to get to. And I write down, how do I get there? These stepping stones, nothing's straight to the top. Mm. What do I want to do next? What do I want to do next? And you just write it down, but then it's, how do you get there? You know, but I definitely do work with unsigned artists. That's fresh, fresh talent. So special and it's just raw. We just did, well, the last Brian the Booth, I just did this um, Brian the Booth with this guy called Jordan, which I think is coming out next week. Yeah. When you watch it, this guy is raw as hell. Like, it actually gave me goosebumps. I was like, oh, my God, I've not seen this in such a long time. You know, when you just don't give a F, you know? Yeah. You're just like, the boy's giving it everything. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's pure. And that's what I love. That's what I love about music. So, yeah, man. All right. So, moving on quickly. Um, Demarque says, the list of you legend, how can I secure a permanent role at the BBC? I know the one that's your team well, and I want to strengthen my relationship with them. Um, I would say you're doing well. The fact that you've got your, you, you know, your, your, your... keep making sure that you're on time. So important. And make sure that you work with the teams and every single producer that you'll work with is completely different, different personalities, different needs. When you work with a producer, just speak to them and find out what, what it is they need. Because we're all so different. I'm very chilled out, flexible, but there might be some, mm. I call them, there's some producers that are flappers, I call them flappers, and they're going around the studio going, oh my God, we need to do this. Oh, you get flappers. And if you get a flapper, you've got to know how to deal with a flapper. So just go in and just learn how to work with all the different teams and just make yourself available. Like I did, worked some mad shifts. I used to work in a, I just worked in this nightclub and, and I just knew, I used to do the cloakroom till friggin' five in the morning, and then I knew I got a shift at Free Counties at 7 a.m. The grafting, put the grafting in, you'll be absolutely fine. But what I also say is try and do your little side hustle at the same time. I wish I'd done that from the start. Because what I do now is like, Charlie taught me how to DJ, so I'm doing DJing now as well. I've got my decks <laughs> behind me, I don't know if you can see it. But just side hustles, things to keep, you know, that you have ownership, skills that you can do and other things. So you'll have your BBC One Extra thing going on here, which is great, it's professional, it looks great for the CV, but you've got your side hustle that no one can take from you. You can make a little extra change. That's what I do with my media training. I just oh. go and I do my, you know? Oh. We, we got a minute left. I'm gonna breeze through. I've been talking too much. Quick one. <laughs> when, when or how did you know when it was time to take the leap? Leap to? I guess Apple. Leave different it. jobs. Yeah. Different jobs. Do you know what? You just know. You just know when. Oh, um, you just know when you're in a job where you want more, basically, and you know you can do more and you've got more to give. <laughs> All right. We'll leave that one there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm rushing you. I'm rushing you. It's uh, okay. And then the last one can you give any advice about getting into AR? That's your question. Yeah. That's Stay watching the podcast. Um, <laughs> and we're going to leave it there so listen 
Delissa, thank you so much. I hope I didn't say too much, you know. I had to, sometimes I have to go. No, nah, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Big up everyone tuning in. This is um, Tempo Flow Music Industry Talks. It will be on Apple, Spotify. This will be back to watch. But will it be it's on so... Amazon? What? Excuse me, is this going on Amazon or not? It's because going to talk there. about We're this. Talk about okay, that. cool. Love cool, you, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> See you now. Bye. <laughs>